Welcome to the Fast Host Proactive Podcast, Spill the IT. Each episode, we'll sit down with some of the amazing proactive team and chat through their experiences of the ups and downs of IT infrastructure management in small businesses. There's always plenty to chat about. Well, hello again, and here we are for episode six of the Fast Host Proactive podcast. My name's Graham, and I'm going to be your host again for today's recording. And with me, this time I've got Dan and Gary back, so welcome back, guys. And I also have Claire. Claire is Fast Host Proactive's Client Success Manager, and Dan is Senior Service Owner, and Gary is the Solutions Consultant. But they're going to do a far better job. For people who have not listened in before, they're going to do a far better job at introducing themselves. I'm going to shake it up a bit this time, actually. Claire, why don't you go first, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, everybody. I have been in the IT industry for quite a long time, (laughs) and everybody's laughing now because they know it'd be quite a long time. So my job basically is building customer loyalty and fostering long-term customer relationships by ensuring that we give a very positive experience to our customers. I'm sort of like the link between the operations and the customer. I'm the the customer champion, should we say. Fantastic. Gary? Yeah, I'm Solutions Consultant. Uh, I've been in IT for quite a bit of time on both ends uh, of the fence, so both uh, working in service providers, but also consuming those services, heading up IT departments in a big, broad number of organizations. And now I design the solutions that solve our clients' problems. Fantastic. And Dan? Yep, I'm the Senior Service Owner here at Fasos Proactive, so for me, that's all about shaping the managed services to make sure they meet the client's needs. And I have, I have survived more than 20 years, I think I'll describe <laughs> it as this week. But yeah, so both sides of the fence like Gary. Uh, you've survived, but maybe you've evolved as well. I have. I had more hair when I started, but that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you get out of the uh, the basement now. At least you've got <laughs> yes. an office with windows, yes. which, is, which is a benefit. So before we get into the main thrust of today's podcast, um, we've got another listener question coming, which is good. We get, we get one of these every month. It's good. Which means we've got a fan base, which is really good, and that's growing. So last episode session was all around security, and this really did feel quite a bit of debate, actually. We had quite a few interactions with people and questions coming in. But something we didn't cover off last time was around procedures and standards. And we get this uh, question in from Grace in Worcester. And Grace says, I know security is important to my online business, but every vendor I talk to, you all have something slightly different in your favor, all to do with security around your service. Do you think the industry needs to start stepping up and creating a standard that entrepreneurs and business people can really follow and understand? And Dan, I know you've got your quite sort of strongly opinionated on this one. Yeah, so I think the answer is definitely yes. So the industry has tried, and, and I think Cyber Essentials and Cyber Essentials Plus by the NCSC has been one of the most adopted frameworks for small to medium business. You contrast that to some of the other frameworks out there, like ISO 27001, you know, heavyweight, very good, but very heavyweight and, and not quite as accessible. So I think definitely, you know, the set of guidelines that a framework provides. So Cyber Essentials looks at five areas in particular. It's firewalls, it's secure config, it's access control, it's malware, it's patch management. You see a lot of MSP vendors anchor their solutions around those 
five pillars, those five areas, but the industry definitely can do more to make these frameworks more more accessible, more understandable for small to medium business. And I think, you know, once you make them more understandable, once you make them easy to access, then, you know, that starts to shape the way in which people approach those security concerns. And Claire, from a sort of, from a customer success perspective, are you seeing your clients sort of wanting to understand that just a little bit more? Are they a little bit confused with it or is it, no, where, no, where, would you, where would you say that sits? Absolutely, they, they really do because that, that's one of the first questions that they actually ask. And they constantly ask because they hear things, they see things yeah, sure. and that you're constantly getting bombarded with stuff in, in the media. So yeah, absolutely. And it's great here because I can just introduce to people who can um, talk to them about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think from my perspective in IT, we, we love a TLA, which is three-letter acronym. Um, <laughs> please don't lose the irony. I, I, I look like slightly blankly at you when you use that one. But, but it's a really good point, right? Because we, we love talking our own language and we get very, very carried away with it. And, you know, like Grace said, there are lots of plus points to all the different offerings. And actually, I think if we strip those back, they're all the same thing, but with different brand names attached to them. And I think really what, what needs to be the, the focus is what are those things delivering and, and just make it understandable for people so that you know, when they buy product X, they know that they're getting similar functionality to product Y and this is ticking the right boxes that they need to for that particular activity. Yeah, right. Well, maybe fast host proactive need to uh, put together the charter then. Maybe that's something that you might do. Or at least a glossary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, we've had, we've got a future podcast coming up, haven't we, about myths, myths busting. We might weave some of that into that. I don't know. So this episode, we're going to be talking about deciphering infrastructure metrics and what are the challenges in this area. So two pillars of understanding infrastructure are logs and metrics. Is that the right thing or are there more? So much data. Um, (laughs) So, so much data. I think even within the kind of logs and metrics and all the other observable entities out there, there are two camps of thought. One is data on everything. (laughs) And then there's the slightly more only collect data on the the things that you need. And the, the pros and cons for both of them. So I think just volume for me is the number one challenge. And it's either because you've got too much of it or you've got too little of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, just within Fastside Proactive can collect an inordinate amount of data on all of our client solutions. But what it comes down to for me is the, uh, the so what factor. When we're having these early stage conversations with our clients, one of the really big elements of that is finding out what what data do we need to collect on the solution and and the question is always uh, you know so what so if we're collecting a metric on a, a particular application if that metric falls without agreed bounds or you know are there even any agreed bounds what are we going to do are we going to take an action and i'm a big fan of keeping things simple and making sure that the only things that we are Having eyes on are the, the data points where, if it changes, we have to take a given action. Mm. Interesting. Claire? Yeah, and that was, for me, uh, from a client success management perspective, it's really about what I can produce for the client on a monthly basis mm. in the service reviews. And really, they, it, we need to help identify and diagnose any issues. And 
ourselves, fast-paced proactive, we need to sort of come up with any remediation or any suggestions that can help them improve their infrastructure. And it's just looking at those figures and and just pulling it out and showing them rather than giving them everything, we're pulling out the things that matter. So does that evolve over time? So where you start a journey with a customer when you first onboard them Mm -hmm. um, and then you're getting all this data in and and you're looking at that and you're you're going back to the suggestions or they're seeing that data in some way, how does that evolve? Do they drive it? Do you drive it? Where's, Where's the drive on configuring that? to create more meaningful data. I suppose to have meaningful data is the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You've got that meaningful data. But it's also when you say who instigates it, well, we we get that information, but at the same time, it could be that the client might be asking us about something. They might have something coming up within their company that would could create um, so storage issues or something. So they might be saying, have we got enough storage? You know, we're looking at those figures going, actually, yes, or no, if there's going to be a spike, do we increase it for a period of time? And it also builds trust as well with the customer. And that's all about, you know, that's what my sort of position is, you know, building that trust. They, they know that we're managing their infrastructure. They know that we're looking at things and that we will come up with any concerns or whatever it is, you know, any solutions like Gary's job is. So it's really important to how we look after them. And I suppose looking at that spike, so if you're so managing those spikes, both from Dan and Gary's perspective, mm. understanding when they're coming, when you're reading that data Absolutely. and doing something with that, I mean, Gary, is it like a constant sort of, you're getting this information and you're, you're sort of evolving it, as you rightfully said, proactively. Mm. You're looking at where, where is it going to fall over? Everything evolves. Mm. So we may find that some particular part of the data that we're collecting becomes more pertinent over time. And, and this is where Claire comes into the relationship perfectly. Her focus isn't the technology. No. So her focus is the the client's business and and, and how are we able to support that with the technology solutions that that we're implementing. And I think for us, the big challenge with this data is, is again, is how we're using it. So, you know, any organisation can produce pretty graphs and and tables of, of numbers. Where I think we add value into that equation is providing the narrative Mm. behind that data. So, you know, we're not just saying, right, this is what your month has looked like in numbers. What we're saying is these are the numbers we've collected over the month and these are the triggers that we see mm. within your business that are making these numbers relevant. Mm. And, you know, Claire has those conversations with all of our clients on a monthly basis. And also from a slightly longer-term perspective, we look at the suitability of the solutions as well. So we're not just grabbing a month's worth of data, putting it on paper, and then abandoning it. We're retaining this so that we can analyze this data over you know, the mid and longer terms with the view to saying, is what we designed at the beginning of this journey still achieving what we need it to achieve six months down the line? Where does it need to be in 12 months? So it's, it's about not just collecting this data, but actually using it for valuable purposes. I, I think the big word is probably putting context onto it, isn't mm-hmm. it? And, and Claire being able to to understand the business, align with the data and putting context over it. Dan, it, it, you know, do you see that? Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing that kind of really echoes for me is what allows us to do that? What, what's unique about kind of FASO's proactive in this space? And we've been managing enterprise-grade infrastructures for many many years now and i think it's that that wealth of experience about we've done this for ourselves we're not just doing this for other people we've had to kind of 
learn over time, understand what those important metrics are, understand what those important triggers and actions might be. I think that's where, and going back to Gary's point, I think that's where we provide real value is, you know, we can jumpstart a lot of the other players in the market because we've been doing this for a large scale for, for a number of years. Yeah, so I, I guess you're recognising those trigger points, aren't yeah. you? So yeah. if you've got similar businesses, not necessarily competing, but similar businesses, and you're saying, actually, something's going off here that we've recognised somewhere else. You remember that client, we did that for it. You know, is that the sort of thing that, that you're sort of seeing and getting involved with? You're, you're, you're sort of obviously drawing on that previous experience, I guess. Yeah, but it's, it's about doing that in a way which isn't cookie cutter, right? Yeah. So each of our solutions is bespoke to the customer's needs, and then that allows us to you know, take a step back and say, so what are the important observables for this particular solution? Going back to that, that term that we keep using about us as a managed service provider being extension to other businesses, we want to be there. We want to be in that embedded space so that we're not just rolling out the same old reports month on month. It's got to be tangible. It's got to be actionable for that particular business. Yeah, I think looking at today's environment and today's business, collaboration is everything. Mm-hmm. And I know it's an overused term, but actually collaboration is everything. It's from a service perspective, really getting under the skin of those businesses, understanding what they're trying to achieve. And then you bring that back to your sort of area of specialism. I'm sure, Claire, you see that on a regular basis. Yeah, and that's what, that's what the service reviews are for, really. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, with building the relationship, you've got to talk to them and say to them, you know, what are your plans? What are you doing? You know, then I can draw somebody like Gary in to sort of say to them, OK, look, this is your solution as it stands. You know, you need to do this, this and this mm. to, to actually, you know, give you a better performance, you know, create better stability if you're going to be doing that in the future. And it's, it's, it's all about working together as a team. And, and, and we've got that expertise and, you know, years and years of expertise, <laughs> as we all keep saying. Um, but that's what you need. It's all about discussion with your clients, you know, just keeping them informed. And how often you talk about those client services review and sort of analysing that data, how often do you all sort of get together? I mean, you can't just measure is it month to month? Is it every quarter? Over what period of time are you analysing that data to then make informed decisions and suggestions? As the name says, proactively going back to the customers and saying, look, we're seeing this, this is a trend, this is what we're seeing. So there's multiple points that we're, that we're analysing. Okay? So you know, when we look at metrics, our network operations centre are watching the threshold breaches 24-7-365. Right, real time. So they are observing those data points continually. When we're talking to clients, we tend to have a scheduled review session, which is, you know, monthly, bi-monthly, again, whatever fits with the client's needs. And we'll be generally talking about the previous period and what we've seen. But again, it's got to be relevant and it's got to be usable. So we're not just going to sit and talk through a bunch of data if there's no business value to it. We're not just going to sit there and go, yep, everything's the same as it was last month. Happy days. Great meeting, guys. Off we go. We have various points where we'll we'll, we'll kind of get involved and that might be ad hoc. We've noticed a thing happened last night, so we're speaking to you about it this morning. We'll then analyse that to see if that becomes a trend. We have, uh, you know, six monthly business reviews where we're, you know, we, we spoke about that solution suitability where we'll go into things in a little bit of, a, of greater depth. But again, if a client comes to Claire and says, I'm planning on 
increasing my marketing spend by 200% starting in July, for example, we may then choose to change those thresholds or focus in a little bit more in depth in the data analysis for a period. It's all about making sure that the output provides value as opposed to just numbers. So getting that whole sort of 360 perspective. So how much of an issue is it when you have applications running on-prem but also in the cloud? Are there issues with data incompatibility and extracting key information and allowing you to sort of report successfully? Dan, is that a thing? Is that getting in the way or is it becoming easier? It is definitely a thing. There isn't a common set of standards for this type of data across those two ecosystems. So I'm sure some of the hyperscalers will tell you they've got a massive amount of observability within their ecosystem, but we all know that those ecosystems don't work in isolation, right? So you you might have a genuinely hybrid model where you've got some on-prem and some in the cloud, um, but also your customers aren't in the cloud as well. So data always has got to cross boundaries. Wherever data crosses boundaries, you know, you've got to make sure that those systems and those observable items are are talking the same language as well. So, yeah, it is a a concern. And I think we are seeing more software products that are capitalising on the different and disparate sources of data in order to try and aggregate them and do some very clever, you know, functional work on them to bring them together and make them more useful. So yes, it it is an issue. Yes, there are some sticky plasters out there in in the market available, but it doesn't solve the underlying point, which is you need to be consistent in what you're measuring and you need to understand what you're measuring as well so that you can make some tangible actions from it. And I think it's really important to look at what you're measuring and why you're measuring it in those kind of scenarios. So when you're talking about these products that correlate disparate data sources. Some of them have a pricing model on the amount of data that's correlated. That can get really expensive really, really quickly. And so, you know, making sure, and as I say, going back to this so what principle, well, what are you going to do with the data once you've got it? If you see change X, are you actually going to do anything or, or does it not really matter? You know, Knowledge is power, they say, but actually it can also be quite crippling. If you've got too much data, A, it costs you a bomb, and B, you've no idea what to do with it, and you can become a little bit data blind. And I think some of those aggregation vendors that are out there are actively pushing, collect all the data Mm. so that you can magically, in in a time machine-type fashion, look back six months, which caused this problem. But essentially, they're just propagating the massive collection of data, which is obviously underpinned by their licensing model. So Interesting. You used the term there. You called it an aggregation vendor. Mm. So that's the thing. So people are taking information from you. They're taking information from the on-prem facility within your customers, and they're bringing it together. So are they the ones that are adding context to it, or do you have a, a layer on that to add I think it depends, the input? it depends on the you in that in that question, really. So yeah. you as the kind of end business owner, it depends on whether you've got those skills and expertise in order to make use of it. Because an aggregation vendor will do exactly that. They will yeah. glue a load of data together based on a common set of 
you know, essentially primary keys for, for lack of another term, actually making sense of that and adding context to that is something completely different. And I think a lot of those aggregation vendors will just provide you large skips of data to which you then have to go dumpster diving through in order to find your answers. So I guess what you're saying is that you can have too much data. You can. And that can be a bad thing. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or visit proactive.fasthost.co.uk for more info. See you next time.